Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. So our guests today are two of our Ballard experts, actually. We wanted to do, we got some great feedback from our lighting episode and our dining room episode. So we wanted to do it again. And um, what better topic than to talk about chairs? Because I think they're probably the most useful um, furniture piece in your house, chairs and, and seating in general. So we have our merchandising or our merchandise buyer, Kelly Vitrano, who pretty much is our in-house upholstery expert and our uh, Hillary Park from our product design department. She's a designer with Taryn. Of course, Taryn's here. Karen is not here today, but um, we're going to talk all about picking the perfect chair. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Before maybe joining Ballard, if I was going to go out and buy a chair, I would probably have just gone and looked for like something comfortable and that I liked, that I liked the look of it the best maybe. But there's so much more that really should go into shopping for a chair in terms of um, figuring out where it's going, you know, the depth, the size, like there's a really a lot to consider in how something is going to f- function. And so I'm so pumped to pick your brains about it. So as far as the function goes, um, Hillary and I actually went over, you know, some concepts about this. And I, I really think just from a function standpoint, um, you know, you really have to look at how you're going to use the chair. Um, it, depending, of course, if it's going to be something that requires um, comfort, such as reclining, if you're considering motion, uh, perhaps it's um, to use in front of a desk. So you have a lot of adjustability uh, constraints, perhaps height, tilt. So you really, there's a, a functionality to a chair. And then of course, um, Hillary, you discussed the fact that you know, the room is really the important part as well. Yeah, both how you're using the, the chair in the space, but then also how you're using the space. Is it obviously a living room that's in an open floor plan where you might have to pull it around as you have guests over and use it um, differently? Or you know, as like so many of us are probably doing right now, taking a dining chair and using it as an office chair. Um, if, it's, if that's something you do frequently, you would have to think about, you know, both using it as dining and office too, you know. Okay, so let's say I have an open floor plan <laughs> and I'm going to scoot and I probably want chairs that move. What am I getting? What should I get? <laughs> well, we have options. Um, we the motion chairs are um, really popular frames at Ballard. Um, it could either rock or it could swivel. So we call it our, our swivel gliding chairs and our most popular chair within the assortment is our Larkin. And I think it's, it has great functionality, but it also has a great look to it. It doesn't have a super high back, but you can still um, 
lounge back into it and um, be comfortable while you're watching TV or you're reading a book. So we also have sleep at night. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> As my husband does in ours. <laughs> and we have the club chair version of it. So if you don't we want do. to swivel, you can just That's get the chair chair. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, we have um, reclining chairs as well. So if you really want to sit back and perhaps watch TV or take a little nap in the afternoon, um, that's a great um, functioning chair. And we do have some beautiful recliners. I know sometimes they get a bad rap, but we do really (laughs) have some beautiful ones. Yeah. Why do they? Why do? So how do we make them prettier than the usual recliner? How did y'all do that? I'll jump in real fast. From a design standpoint, most recliners have to have a tall back. So when you recline, you have enough support for your neck. And we'll, we'll be honest, most recliners generally are kind of ge- geared towards the male population, um, which can be larger and taller than, than us females. So um, that's one constraint. So proportionately, they always look kind of taller and less they don't have as, as much width to them. So they, mm-hmm. they look kind of funny, um, top heavy. Um, I had so, never thought about that, but that's a great mm-hmm. point. <laughs> yeah, we recently um, are, were in the midst of designing a recliner. So that's that was one of our issues in it. Yes, so, um, <laughs> it sure is. We're always probably. trying to snug it up and make it shorter and yeah. proportionally. But um, it does have a function. Mm-hmm. And you do have mm-hmm. to have a place for your head um, when you are reclining. So our um, Brooke re- recliner is a very popular chair. Um, it has a higher back, but I think because the arms flare out a little bit, um, it sort of helps with the balance and shape of the chair. Mm-hmm. What about the 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 back height or even just the style of the arm? Because you were talking about open floor plans, and that's something that I think um, – if you look at a lot of designers work, you'll notice that they might use a lower back sofa or lower um, chairs with a lower back, especially if they're floating, just so that it doesn't um, block the room. And I think that's, that is not something I would have ever thought about before, but um, only have noticed, you know, in the last few years. So maybe like different qualities about your chair that could lend itself to those open floor plans. Well, we do have some lower back chairs um, that are actually part of sofa collections um, as well as well as standalone. And I, I agree. I don't really like to have my view blocked within a room. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you have the higher backs, you sort of feel like you're, you're forced to maybe move them up against a wall. Um, because when they do float, you end up getting on, almost this block, you know, from whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to view within the room. So um, we do offer some lower backs. And um, I have to tell you, um, Caroline, we did go with um, a lower back sofa recently. It was um, the Hartwell. And I was looking for a sofa table. So when you go to a lower back sofa, then you have the challenge of finding a sofa table that will actually not, you know, um, go over the top of your sofa. So you suggested going with the media council and that's what I ended up buying. So it worked out really great. Um, well, yeah, I have the, I have the Hartwell sofa and I actually love it for the low back because I have it in a window. And so, um, it, it essentially is the same, you know, concept. Um, 
I was looking at that Mathis sofa, which is a Suzanne Kessler sofa. It's really pretty. And we were just sitting on it in the, um, in the store and I was talking through, you know, talking it through with my husband. And I was like, you know, I just think that it's going to block too much of the window because it is, you know, taller. And, um, anyway, so I'm, I'm very pleased with the Hardwell's low back. I do think it's, it's great for that purpose. So I agree, but I, I wouldn't have considered the sofa table problem. Well, it's something to think about because I love the sofa tape or like the table behind the sofa. And mm-hmm. if you don't get the right height of them, it can look yes. dumb. So, yes. so I ended up ordering the, um, I don't know if you remember the Aiken Media Council. That's behind the sofa and it works great. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. And a nice tip trick. Okay. So what if I don't want a regular desk chair because my desk is out in my living room? Do I, um, what is a good option for me? Well, we have several options. Um, you could actually, if you wanted something petite, you could actually do a Parsons castered slipcover chair. So yes, um, we've had, um, a lot of customers use that, um, as a, a nice little desk chair. And then we have some um, beautiful wood frame chairs um, that we recently um, introduced. And um, I think having a wood frame chair or even you could use a Louis um, chair that has arms, a Louis back, um, square back, I'm sorry, uh, chair that works really well. And then, you know, you have the ability to use that for other areas in your in your space as yeah. just a little chair that you could pull up when you have guests. I, I don't I know that maybe like the formal living room isn't as popular as it used to be, but you might have multiple living rooms where you may not necessarily consider it formal, but perhaps it's more where you would entertain people if they came over. And I was wondering if that's something you should take into consideration, especially if you're gonna like have snacks on your coffee table. Like do you need to be more upright versus being in something that's super deep? I mean I would I would approach that as a yes. I tend to lean towards thinking if it's a room that's not used as often, you can kind of do two things. You can sacrifice comfort. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I lean towards like deep seating or a deep sitting chair or sofa as kind of a family room piece because it's one you're sitting in all the time. You really want to snug up into. Whereas Mm -hmm. an extra room that's not used as much, you could go for something that's a little tighter in seat and back. Um, and a little more firm too, so that you can have that firmer sit that's more towards, you know, eating maybe or playing a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like to think too, in those type of rooms, you might not go for the splurge and that's where you can have more fun with design because sometimes Mm -hmm. the pieces that are real quirky or unique might not always be the most comfortable too. So you can, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, it's almost like you have an extra room where you can kind of play or do something different than what you might do in your family room. Mm-hmm. Almost like a flex space. Mm-hmm. So um, in my formal uh, living room, I have a Chesterfield that has a tight seat in back. So definitely not there for comfort, but to me, I look at it as almost like a sculptural piece in the room. And then I do have some chairs that are lightweight, so you can pull them close into the coffee table when you're serving, and it's adjacent to the dining room, so you can begin to pull extra chairs either way, either Mm -hmm. for extra dining or extra um, space for your guests. Yeah, that's a good point about having maybe something light that's easy to pull up, especially if you have a great big 
living room and maybe you know that you have this corner where you want to put a chair, but it is, you know that when I have people over, I'm going to bring this chair over, but just for everyday use, it's going to be over in this, you know, over here. So you don't want to put like a club chair because you'll never bring that. <laughs> you're never going to pull that over to the Plug it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great point. What about the insides of a chair? Because I think that's something that is, you know, maybe we don't all understand a lot about how the chair is made. And there's not always a lot of information. I mean, you know, we might walk you, we might say in the description what it means, but if I've never seen that inside, that doesn't necessarily mean much, you know, to me. You're, you're wow. going to cut your chair open? See what no, before no, you buy it. I hadn't planned to. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's essentially four parts to a chair. You have your frame, you have your suspension, you have your cushion and padding, and then you have your upholstery cover, which is your fabric or could be a slip cover. So your frame is really the foundation of the piece. And it's almost like the skeleton. And when you're at frame stage, you pretty much know what the chair is going to look like because from there, you're basically going to wrap the chair. And we're, um, we use different types of frames. Um, we use a combination of hardwoods. Sometimes they're engineered wood frames and they're always um, glued and screwed together um, using mortise and tenon um, joinery. There really isn't any, you know, right way of doing it. Um, we use different types of um, frames based on the suspension of the chair. So um, the hardwoods are usually um, you're going to use for your um, chair frames themselves. But when you get into sofas, that's when you typically get into more of an engineered frame. Um, unless, of course, you're using an eight-way um, hand-tied suspension, which we'll talk about. But it really um, depends on the vendor. It depends on the type of construction that makes most sense for the chair. And it really determines the general design. Oh, Caroline, I was just going to pop in because I think what piqued your interest was the mortise and tenon discussion. It's the type of joinery is just extremely strong and durable. So it's where two pieces of wood, it's kind of like a dovetail drawer. It's where mm -hmm. the two pieces of wood actually join together um, and create a really strong bond as opposed to just having two pieces of wood screwed or glued together. Um, and those frames will last longer, you know, mm -hmm. through wear and tear. Yes. Less creaking too. Yeah. yeah. It well, really in, yeah, eliminates that. And then it actually creates the initial pitch of the chair, the frame itself. And then of course you have suspension and that is basically what your um, upholstery um, cushions are going to be sitting on. And we have several types. Um, we have what is called, um, a, across most of our stuff, is, is a, it's a flexilator, which is basically a metal frame that has um, a spring system. And this is um, basically used on these engineered wood frames. There's also an eight-way hand tied, which is usually historically sort of a higher end uh, suspension. But with some of the, the advanced engineering of some of these frames that we use today, um, it necessarily isn't better. It's just a different type of suspension. 
Um, and then, of course, you have a sinuous spring, which is a spring that almost looks like an S. And it's a flat S and it repeats itself over and over that stretch from frame to frame. And then you have um, also um, elastic webbing, which is usually used in smaller pieces such as um, dining chairs, um, benches and smaller chairs. And then, yeah. And then you have the cushion and padding. And the majority of our cushions are a blended cushion, which includes both um, poly. Um, it, it's a high density foam wrapped in a poly down blend um, wrap. So is that, it, is the sort of, I guess, makeup of the cushion, is it going to differ from chair to chair? You know, like, I guess the amount of foam to down or like how, I guess, how does it differ across, you know, because it all sit the same and they maybe have different sizes. Like, I don't know. It just seems like maybe there's some variety or maybe there's not. I don't know. <laughs> different things. Yeah, yeah, I guess I just am curious to know, like, if you're buying it online and you don't have the chance to sit in it, then how do you know really how comfortable it's going to be? Point. I guess our... Our, like, probably saying would be we, we really aren't going to sell something that's not comfortable. Which, yeah. But everyone's everyone's mm -hmm. definition of what's comfortable, though, is probably different. Right. You know? Hillary, so, you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, as we go through the design process, you know, when we're designing it, um, initially, you know, we tell them and have certain specifications as to what they need to initially make it in. Like, um, density of, and um, density to fiber and stuff. But then... Once we sample it and sit in it, we'll adjust. That's where we actually go in and we'll adjust the size of the cushion or amount of down versus fill um, in it. So for us, each piece we do look at individually and adjust accordingly to multiple levels of um, comfort. You know, Kelly and I sit in it, but then we have a whole bunch of other people sit in it too. And, um, yeah. Do, you, do do we have some gentlemen in the office that we that are our, like man sitters? There are few oh, yes. far between, but yeah. <laughs> um, we call in the troops. Yeah. So we get, we get additional support, and then you know, kind of find the happy medium because I can, you know, to your point, everybody's level of comfort is very subjective, which to mm -hmm. me makes designing upholstery probably the toughest. Between mm -hmm. that and then everybody's pretty subjective about fabric too, you know, right? which is also great why we offer so many options so that, you know, I can get what I like, you get what you like. Mm -hmm. And they'll look totally different. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. Yeah. That's what we want. Um, yep. I, I will hop on and just say too, the type of sus suspension that is in the piece also contributes largely to how comfortable it is too. So it's kind of the combination of the suspension system and um, what the cushions are made out of internally is kind of how you get how comfortable a piece is. So I remember this was a long time ago, but um, I think, let's see, we had um, Phil, Professor Phil on the podcast a couple years ago, and he was talking about the pitch of a chair and how if the, you know, if you don't get the pitch right, it'll never be comfortable. So like, how do we know if the, if we're shopping, how do we know if the pitch is right? You well, it? yeah, it really, <laughs> it is a sit test. 
Um, we work through that in design and that is really one of the most important aspects of a chair for me is the pitch because if the pitch is off, then the chair is never going to be right. And you'll find yourself trying to supplement with pillows and, you know, that's never really the right solution. So we do have a range that we work in and we're usually at about 102, 103 degree pitch yeah. on, on deep sea. And on a dining room chair, we're about 99 to 100 degrees. So that's obviously more upright because you're sitting into a table eating, whereas with a lounge chair, you want to sit back and be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it, it can be a challenge to get that pitch right. Um, mm -hmm. I think um, working through some of the design elements and really having um, Hillary the ability to do all of our 3D renderings, I feel it, it has been so helpful for you know, the, the final sample to come in um, correctly um, because we really tackle not only getting the pitch right, but how it's really going to, to look and the chair begins to take shape. And it has been such an asset to have our design team be able to provide these 3D renderings as we go through the development stage. Mm -hmm. Okay, can I, get out my, can I get out my protractor and measure <laughs> on the website the pitch of a yeah. chair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, Caroline, I was just going to add some people or the listeners might have no clue what that actually means either. So the pitch of a chair is the um, angle of the seat to the back or back to the seat. Just um, like a just like a triangle, I guess. Exactly. So you you could break it out if you want. <laughs> Maybe if someone is really analytical out there, <laughs> geometry teacher or something, they could I could get in there with their protractor. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I do think that the most critical um, pitch of a chair is when it does have that low back because mm -hmm. you really feel it in your neck if that pitch is incorrect. Mm -hmm. And that's also why that's the first thing I pretty much do when I'm making the model It's put that standard in and then design around it so mm -hmm. that, you know, that's consistent. What about arms? We haven't talked about arms, but I do think sometimes they can impact the comfort like even or even just um the way that you're sort of taking in the chair from different angles of the room you know mm -hmm. um and then we we've talked so many times on the show about how um if you do have a small space those big rolled armchairs are not necessarily the most efficient use of space so is there something we should consider about you know like if we're shopping and we know we want a reading chair is there an arm we need to be looking for or just something we should avoid I would say if it's a reading chair, you might want to avoid armless just from the sheer fact like mm -hmm. propped up area, mm -hmm. place to put your arm. Um, yeah, stay away from the slipper chair. Yeah, but <laughs> it is great for your open floor plan. I was going to add That's that right. earlier because mm. it's a good, they're usually lighter, um, easy mm. to get in and out of and transition through spaces and then um, carry. Cause it feels less heavier in a room too, mm -hmm. you know. And I always like them when they're right up next to each other side by side okay. because you can sit. Yeah, you can sit them. You can squeeze two in where mm -hmm. maybe a love seat would have been like a little too bulky or something. I don't know. I just think that always is a great look. But, yeah. I do. I like a slipper seat as well. Mm -hmm. What if I am drinking while reading? <laughs> Does that change the Umbrella fabric. Or any well, we don't, we don't offer fabric. cup holders in our arms, so you'll have to get a side <laughs> table. <laughs> All right. Just second. There's, there's a design challenge for you, Hillary. Come up with a cup holder in the chair that looks good. We mm -hmm. need 
the Sunday porch swing tray table for That's right. chairs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think work. It's a really great brass <laughs> something. I don't know. <laughs> we have the martini tables. That's true. That's yeah. true. Great. Yes. Yeah. Well, we do have different types of um, rolled arms. We have um, an English rolled arm, which would be, um, which you'd see an example of in our Eaton or our Maggie collection. Um, we have um, track arms, which you would see, or sometimes it's, it could call be called a tuxedo arm. Um, you would see that example in our Bunny Williams um, Sharon sofa or um Oh, that, that's, I'm sorry, that's more of a Chesterfield. You would see that in the Marnie, Hartwell, or Mathis. Mm-hmm. Um, that would that, be that sort of that tuxedo. Square. Yes, right. Very um, more structured looking. Um, and then in the Chesterfield um, styling, which is a heavier rolled arm, you would see that example in um, our Bunny Williams Sharon sofa or our Aria sofa. So with those arms, are there certain ones that I need to be using in certain places? Um, if you're really looking to use an arm and not just like use it as a shelter in it or an enclosure, like you would see in a full track arm, you could go to a partial arm, which is basically the Hartwell sofa. It's a lower arm, but it still gives you that really structured look. Um, but if you're looking at a sofa like the Marnie, that is a full track arm. That's full height, same height as the back of your sofa. You might be looking for something like that to sort of snuggle into a corner. You could still use the arm. It's just, a you know, you're going to be more at shoulder height using mm-hmm. that arm. Mm-hmm. And what would I get for uh, a drink if I was drinking in this chair? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, our Westwood sofa has a pretty wide that's right. Arm, that you could yeah. rest maybe a coaster. Yes. But yeah. unfortunately, I, yeah. we don't have a chair of it. <laughs> oh, yes. maybe. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe. Yes. Well, <laughs> the Eaton, although it's somewhat rolled, you can kind of hold your drink and rest your hand on it. Um, we also have more of like a flared arm, which you'd see in our Tate collection. Um, mm-hmm. That is a different type of style, and that is a full full track arm, but it's flared. And that kind of gives you that sort of shelter, cozy in the corner kind of Mm -hmm. feel. Well, I do think if you're going to be, um, like in our old house, we had our sofa perpendicular to our television to where you usually are kind of laying down on the sofa facing the television. And I do think if, if you're doing that, a lower arm or even something like our eating like a rolled arm is great because then it, you can put your head on the back on the arm actually, whereas you would, you couldn't really do that in a track arm. I mean, you, you can, you can have pillows, but, but it is kind of nice. And plus if, if it's floating, that low arm makes it to where it's, again, it's not blocking your view. Like maybe the, um, the track arm would, you know, if, um, since it's higher, but those are just my thoughts on it. I don't know how y'all <laughs> Whether that's right or not. Are there some that are better for kids or dogs? Well, I think that's where our um, performance fabrics come into play. And we offer, uh, I don't even know what the count is anymore. We offer over 300 fabrics, but our um, performance um, assortment and inside out is quite extensive. So that really helps 
when you have a young family or um, people that really don't hold on to their drinks. <laughs> and um, it's so we have that as an option. We also have slipcover options so that you have a, a, a situation where you can pull the slipcover off and wash it. So um, you do have that type of flexibility. But I, once we expanded into our performance story, I feel like our um, upholstery really um, began to skyrocket just based on the assortment that we had. I will add, though, I used to have a scattered back, which is mostly like throw pillow back cushion um, sofa. And when my two kids were little, they would just take those pillows off and throw them constantly. So if you have younger kids, I would suggest not a scatterback sofa. <laughs> Maybe just have a sofa that has two back cushions like normal um, so that you're not constantly driving yourself crazy picking up pillows everywhere. Yeah. Well, and, and too, if you have pets that like to, you know, some pets like to sit on the back of the sofa, that yes. drive me nuts. Our dog likes to sit on the back of the sofa. And so the, I mean, I would fluff the cushion and like five minutes later, they're all over the floor. So it used to drive me nuts. So maybe a, even just a tight back with, you know, a, a single throw pillow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, some um, of our customers like to have um, a two over two or a three over three um, cushion to seat back um, because they do have the flexibility if for whatever reason there's a stain that they can flip the cushion and they have more options when they have multiple cushions. Well, and it is also easier to take the slip cup, you know, take the cover off mm -hmm. versus a bench seat, which like that's a... That's an ordeal. That's a yeah, project. Have, yeah. <laughs> getting, the cushion, getting the cover off my bench seat fat, uh, sofa is like, it's heavy. Yeah. You know? So it's hard to get off. But It looks so but, good. I love a one. Uh, one yeah. Cushion. Let's talk about the bench seat, though, because there are lots of advantages to a bench seat versus mm -hmm. the, uh, two cushion, you know, bottom or three. Mm -hmm. We also have some great sectional options for families. Um, we have our Roswell, our Orson, which is interesting because it's a, a reverse sectional where you can, um, if you decide to use um, your Ottoman setup on the right side versus the left side, you have that flexibility, especially if you're moving from one place to another or you're moving the sofa from room to room. So we have some great options. We also have um, the Somerset um, sofa, which is uh, a sofa sleeper where you can pull it out. And it's great for like a media room where it's a beautiful sofa, but you have the opportunity to pull up a, a trussle and it becomes a queen size bed or just a place to lounge when you're watching a movie. Yeah, I love that one. It's also our sleepers are also really good for that extra maybe formal um, room that you have that you don't really use. That way you can also turn it into a guest room. I think that's what makes our, our um, Tate twin sleepers so popular because our customers will use it in a secondary room, um, maybe perhaps in an office and they have the ability to quickly change it into a guest room. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So should we um, talk about 
Should we talk more about fabrics? I mean, I know we we kind of touched on the inside out ones, but how, you know, how should we think about choosing a fabric, especially in terms of pattern on a chair? Like, are there any sort of guidelines you come up with in order to figure out what kind of fabric is going to look good on the chair versus something that may not necessarily suit the chair itself? Well, it seems um, to be a pattern, um, basically in the industry, but then we see these patterns through some of our customer orders. And then we do have an influence um, with our customers and how we show upholstery in our catalog. And typically we'll go with um, more of a solid or a fabric, usually performance for the sofas within a space. Not always, but it is the anchor of the room. It's where your largest investment is within the space. And it gives you flexibility. Um, so if you want to be able to quickly change the vibe of the room, it's just a matter of changing the pillows or, you know, mm-hmm. your throw. But once you commit to that pattern on a sofa, you, you pretty much own that pattern. Whereas if you put the pattern on a chair, you do have the opportunity to um, perhaps move that chair to another room if you decide, hey, I just want to change this up. I really want to go from a blue color uh, scheme to a green. So it does give you a little bit more flexibility when you do use your patterns on your chairs. And then it becomes more of a statement or an accent in your room, especially if you go with a larger pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, to kind of the same point, it's a large part of the pattern to take into account is the scale of it in regards mm-hmm. to like the type of piece it's going on. Right. Um, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, scale. if you were to use it like on our oval back Louie, but it's a large scale, you may not even get a full repeat on the back. So it, you kind of lose the impact. Um, and waste money. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 Whereas, you know, use that fabric on your drape instead where it might, you can really kind of get that full effect what's so great about um, our website because you do have the ability to select your fabric and you can see it on the frame and it's in the correct repeat so you understand the scale of the fabric whereas you know some people will go ahead and shop maybe some of our competitors and they're not actually seeing the fabric on the frame and I think that's essential when you're making a decision like that yeah especially online if they don't have it to scale on the um, website, this is on other people's website, um, it can be very, very misguiding, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it comes to our um, frames that have custom plus options, because you can really play on it all day and decide, okay, well, I really want to try the pattern on the welt only and go with the solid, or I'm going to put the, the pattern on the, on the chair itself. And maybe the welt is a, a bright accent color. So, so what are you talking about with, with um, Custom Plus? So Custom Plus are um, a select number of frames that we have available to our customers, whereas a customer can choose, it depends on the frame, but sometimes up to nine options where you the customer will select their finish, their fabric. Maybe it's a pattern, it's a fabric for the seat. Maybe it's the in back of a seat or the the back portion of the chair. So it's um, a way that our customer can 
create something that's unique and custom to them and really make a statement in the room. So there is a tab on our website where you can select um, some of the custom plus items and have a great time decorating. Yeah. I will say that we were just, um, I was just reading, we have an upcoming guest. His name is Markham Roberts. He's an incredibly talented designer, but um, I was looking through his book and um, he does like a welt, a court, like he does that a lot and really changes it up. And I think like, cause sometimes I don't always think about doing a different welt, but um, there are a lot of designers out there. Another guest, couple guests we had, um, Masuka Warner and also Tilton Fenwick, they all do a lot of custom welts. So I feel like if you did want to do something a little fun and funky, that would be, those would be some of our former guests who would be good, um, people to look up because they just do it really well, you know, cause, cause it, the, like there's so many options and, and ways to switch it up. It, it can be a little like intimidating. It is also a great program too. Cause it makes it where like you and your girlfriend won't get the same chair. You, know, you might both <laughs> love the lines of a chair, but you know, I might get a blue one. She might get a pink one. And then, you know, that's right. It's like going to the prom and somebody's showing up in the same dress. You just can't have it. Well, some things are so classic. I mean, think about like a Parsons chair or a Louis chair. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long have we like had that Louis chair in our assortment and how many different ways can you mix it up with a different table, um, different fabrics, different finish on the wood? Like it just, it's a chameleon and it's, it's really I feel like at its best when you when you have fun with it and you do it in different in different fabrics. It makes that classic shape um, feel like more fresh when it's in a you know something unusual. So they have frames on most years. You have some exposed frames, and so there's wood showing. And how do I pick what wood finish to go? Sometimes we have too many options. How do I do this in a room? Mix wood finishes in the room. Well, how do I pick my wood finish of my upholstery to go with my room? Gotcha. I kind of like to look at the tones of the wood in the room and stick with the same kind of family. You know, if you have warm tones and I mean, the largest one's probably your floor. So look at it. And then in relations to the things that are sitting on it, kind of keep them. If, if you have a, you know, more of a brown tone floor, warm, has a lot of maybe yellow in it or something, um, stick with a similar tone in the exposed frame that you're putting on it. Um, I think sometimes um, you could also have multiple tones of, um, of frame finishes in a room if perhaps the upholstery links it together. So I think there's different ways in which you could effectively either match it up or actually have a lot of contrasting wood. I really don't always think about it. I just... I like what Hillary said. If you if you if you're leaning towards more warm tones, then you kind of stick with that. But I have um, multiple tones or multiple wood finishes in some of my rooms, and I always seem to throw in some sort of a black finish. You know, maybe it's just on a little ottoman or um, a little footstool or something. But um, I think mixing is okay as long as there's some connectivity, and perhaps it's the fabric. Mm -hmm. One thing I sometimes think about too is um, like having the least amount of contrast with your fabric, especially if it's a, a foot that isn't necessarily a strong part of the design. It's just, it's there, but it's not like a, 
an, a, a, a Bergere chair where mm-hmm. the wood tone and the frame is a very important. Yeah, it's a staple. It's the the thing you're looking at. And if it's just like a little um, foot, just having it, like if you have a dark fabric, pick a dark foot so that like you don't necessarily see it, I guess, right. if that makes sense. Like it's, no, you're totally. kind of camouflaging the, the foot by making it look kind of like the fabric. I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but um, just kind of like consider the contrast, I guess, in in the fabric that you're choosing. Because if you have like a white sofa and you put a black finish on the foot, it it makes that black. It's so shocking. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It draws attention. Yeah. Yeah. Especially too, if you're going to have a a light cut, you know, like a natural fiber rug or something where Mm -hmm. it'll jump off it. But yeah, that's a good question, Taryn. We also had um, our Catherine sofa that has a metal base, which is brass. And I do like having metals mixed in with the space. Um, on the cover of our latest catalog is our Alistair stool, which we're not talking about stools, but we do have some metal frame chairs um, that I think we import the frames and then we have our domestic vendor customize. So sometimes that's how we come into some of these custom pieces as we find out how well they work as we import them as like a stocked chair. And so when we stock chairs, a customer has the ability to purchase right away and it's shipped right away. There's no lead time for customization. But when we saw how popular the metal frame was on the Salister stool, then we decided to import the frames and then the customer can select any fabric they want on the stool. So it's exciting to be able to move into programs like that. Similar to our Sophia collection, which is a sofa collection, we began to import the frame with um, that was fully upholstered. But we realized how popular it was and we began to offer that frame. Just import the frame only and the customer had the ability to customize the frame. <laughs> And I was, I've been with Ballard long enough that I have the original sample of the Sophia <laughs> in my living room. And it's in the linen where we started. <laughs> I have the original sample of the Louisa. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and the pitch the isn't right. Oh, I no. have the original unapproved sample. <laughs> so we only used it to put our socks on in the morning. <laughs> I love it. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a great example of a chair that you can, um, not our version, but a chair that you can save on. Um, get the b- budget option of the chair that you're going to put exactly. in the corner of your bedroom yeah. and sit in for 30 <laughs> seconds a day. Yes. Don't get the budget option for your living room chair. No. <laughs> exactly. I had a question about ottomans because how high should they be to my chair? Because sometimes you can get an ottoman or a little like step stool. And I just want to make sure it's the right height for where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. So when are they appropriate and how much lower should they be than my seat? I was going to say, actually, it's more what your seat height is of what it's going with. And then it should be one to two inches lower than that. Okay. So it should be lower. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I hope not. And where should I be placing ottomans? Only with the ch- with a one-off chair? Oh, no. Or- you can put them with the chair, under console tables, um, 
we have a bunch of options that are ottomans, but they're also storage. So they, you know, have tops that lift up where you can put your toys, your blankets, um, extra knickknacks for when people come over. Um, ottomans are just great for extra seating. Mm -hmm. They're perfect mm -hmm. for all your open spaces because um, mm -hmm. they offer hidden storage. So maybe moved around for seating. <laughs> yeah. And your, your kid's not going to like crack their head open. Yeah. If they fall. <laughs> well, when do you, when do you use a chaise? That is actually another perfect piece for a corner in your bedroom where you want to have like mm -hmm. your alone um, me time for reading a book. Mm -hmm. um, they're also good for corners of living rooms where you kind of have dead spaces. You need something to fill it, but you don't, maybe ha have the space for a love seat or a, um, another sofa per se. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they feel, you know, have a fairly large footprint mm -hmm. um, and it kind of breaks up the monotony of like maybe too many sofas or too much mm -hmm. sofa love seats. I um, see them being used in a way where if you do have an oversized space, it's almost like secondary seating. And cause mm -hmm. how large can you actually have a group seating? So I, I like when you have a, a second level of seating or a separate yeah. grouping. Yeah. They're great for reading books and relaxing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen that some designers use, you know, like a pair with a side table, like you said, like in the, if you have to break your living room into mm -hmm. multiple seating areas, and I'm, I would love a space like that where I can <laughs> like have a friend over for a glass of wine. And I think that's, I mean, I don't know that I would actually have the time for that, but that sounds heavenly. Yeah. Even binge watching. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Especially if you watch, you know, stuff on your iPad or something where you don't, you don't really need to be next to a television anymore. Like it's easy mm -hmm. to, to watch shows. It doesn't have to be in your den. You know, exactly. Yeah. Some of these large open floor plans, you're almost forced into a secondary seating grouping because it's so large. And it's like, what do I do with this space? You know, sometimes it could be a small secondary casual dining space, um, which I've seen a lot too. But these um, larger open spaces can be challenging sometimes to decorate. Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk, because we, we have talked a little bit about, um, fabric, but we didn't really talk about slip covers and the pros and cons of that. I mean, obviously they're really nice if you want to take it off, but is there anything that you should know going into it? Like, is it going to stretch out? Is it hard to take on and put off? Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, slip covers are such a great option for young families. Um, I raised my family on slipcovers, and it was really before the birth of performance fabrics because I have mm -hmm. adult children now, <laughs> and <laughs> so now I just have to worry about a grandson. Um, but the slipcovers to me were just so great, and um, I actually had a very simple um, slipcover that I had custom made for a sofa, um, and I had it in just an off-white twill, and I can't tell you how much I washed that slipcover. And I think with some fabrics, they're a little bit more forgiving for slipcovers. So you don't want something that's super tight and structured. So if you're doing a custom, you really want to consider the fabric content because you do want a little bit of give. Because even though you wash it in cold water and you hang it to dry, don't put it in the dryer, um, it's still going to 
it's just going to snug up. It'll relax after a while. But there is an art to putting on a slip cover after you wash it. And once you have that, you know, you know, you have to start from front to back and slide it over the arms. And um, <laughs> when we do get samples in to try on slip covers, um, we all kind of um, groan because it is a little bit of a project, but it's not like you're going to be doing it that often. Right. But there's a way. But you might break a sweat. Yeah, it's a workout. It's a workout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, it's good to have a steamer and to, you know, relax some of those wrinkles. But um, once you get the hang of it, as far mm -hmm. as getting it on the frame, um, it's it's such a great option. It's such a great option. And I think another thing is, for whatever reason, if it's damaged in your home, you we have replacements available. So you don't have to reinvest in a whole new sofa. You just buy a new slipcover. Yeah. Well, maybe that's sometimes too, um, you know, I, I think sometimes we'll see in a designer's um, portfolio where they'll have a, a cushion that's a different fabric entirely from the um, chair. And it's not always because they use custom plus, it could just be because they needed a new fabric because the first one was, you know, and sometimes I think it gives a really cozy vibe to, um, to a room like it especially if you have got like a chair that has some good like the arms are rubbed in you know you don't maybe want every piece in your room to look like that but sometimes that like kind of beautifully worn out vibe with a mismatch chair feels real cozy so. it's definitely more of a relaxed look a slip cover mm -hmm. and um we seem to have that customer that still really likes that slip um, and hasn't mm -hmm. moved to performance. And I think it's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. Is there anything we've missed? What else do we need to talk about? I'm I feel thinking. like we've, we've really covered a lot. <laughs> well, we do offer leather that we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about leather. Well, customers... Um, sometimes prefer it, you know, whether it's a function or th they love the look of it. And so we do have a number of frames that we do offer in leather. And one of the most successful has been our Layla recliner. So she does like her recliner. And then um, the Hartwell um, also comes in leather. Um, so leather is a great option um, for those looking for it. It does add a lot of warmth to a room. And it's durable and it's um, very rich, you know, has a lot of depth to it from a color standpoint. So it's always a nice accent to a space. Yeah. What about scratching? Like, um, do, does it get like scratch marks in it? And is that a good thing? Is that, does that scare us? Like, do we want that patina on leather or... I think that some of the leathers we offer, um, you know, are susceptible to scratches. I have a Hartwell leather chair and our dogs like to jump up on it. And so we have just a line of scratches because our dogs are short and they scratch almost all the way up to get up to the chair. And I've just decided it's I'm going to accept it because it's leather and it is what it is. And sometimes I'll just um, rub it out a little bit. And um, it'll help diffuse some of the look. But with leather, you know, it's just like with anything leather you own. It is susceptible to some scratching. Um, but it's really what you want um, 
within a room. We have it in my husband's office and I just love the look of it. Yeah. It is wipeable. So there's that. Yes. Yes. I was going to add, I love the look of worn leather. So, I mean, for me personally, scratching and um, patinaing is just kind of the charm of leather. Um, there mm-hmm. are different types of leather, you know, quality wise. So sometimes when you scratch, you'll get white on the underside versus um, leather that you scratch on the top. And then, you know, it's color throughout. And it's just different mm-hmm. dyeing processes. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the, um, considering linen, if you wanted a linen slipcover or uh, a linen sofa, it's almost like you just have to accept the fact that it's going to have a wrinkled look at times. You know, you can steam it and you can smooth it out. Um, I have multiple pieces of linen throughout my house and it's just like, you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like both the best part because it always looks so like perfectly rumpled but Mm -hmm. sometimes I mean but again like if you want something really tailored it's not the best you know you should go with something else but yeah Taryn do you talk to us about your leather sofa that you love so much (laughs) (laughs) guys they are the epitome of bachelor pad ugly (laughs) I have talked about these so many times because I hate them so wildly Mm. but I will say I am sold on the leather part because it has held up so well that my husband thinks it's going to make the next move and I'm like I don't know if they're going to make it like it's held up too well really you wish that it would have not held up so well I need I need the frame (laughs) to break good and sturdy (laughs) yeah um but I have appreciated to your point if they weren't such an um bubbly frame they might be okay but yeah they're not they're not okay yeah i know you can all picture it it's gross but it's been with us for years now my husband he did say it'd be a divorce if i got rid of him so that he feels very strongly Ooh. yeah yeah that's that's pretty strong right mm-hmm, that's pretty strong so it doesn't get much stronger than that yep so they still remain because i like him <laughs> we've been taking them by the store and making be like hey check out this Hartwell or when right. oh yeah, yeah no I have many a time and I, yes when we move next we will be getting something like that so yeah yeah next time you need to just call like routinely call the outlet and just stalk them and just constantly ask like do you have a leather sofa in here like <laughs> just call every week because may- maybe if it's a deal he'll be more on board they're like it's two hundred dollars. We can't not. We can't exactly. afford to not buy it. <laughs> That's how we bought our Hartwell leather chair at the outlet. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, have we missed anything? If anyone has, that. if anyone has any questions, any listeners have some questions, shoot it to us in an email. We'll answer it on a future episode. And um, if there's anything we missed, yeah, like. We'll have you ladies back and we'll, we'll cover it. Absolutely. Great. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show. So it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and follow us on social media. And the how to decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the how to decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much happier. Exactly. 
(laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy decorating. decorating.